I'm not pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another episode of Drive to Work Coronavirus Edition. Okay, so I've been interviewing people because uh, I can't. It's hard for me to do that in my car, but I can do that at home. So on the phone right now, I have Annie Sardellis. So Annie, say hi. Oh, hi. I'm Annie. So Annie, let's explain to the people what you do. What what part of what part of R and D do you work in? Oh, okay. So I am a game designer on the world building team. Uh, that means I help create the original worlds and characters for the tabletop card game. I'm not a game designer in the sense that I put the text on the cards uh, outside of the flavor text and card names most of the time. So I work mostly developing the new worlds with other members of the team, hang out with design and the art team to create resources for everyone and just make up a lot of fun new stuff. So how did you end up at Wizards? Oh, okay. Um, previously, I was working at another smaller game company where uh, we were working on card games, and I got to do a little bit of everything. So smaller companies, you sort of end up dabbling in a lot of different things. So not only did I do like card design and testing, I also wrote art descriptions for all of the card art that we would release. And that ended up being quite the job I would come to discover insofar that it was literally someone's actual entire job at Witness of the Coast. And um, I decided, like, I saw a post on Twitter, basically, for the job opening, and I was like, actually, I really want to get deeper into the world building of card games. Like, that's what appealed to me the most. So I sent an application and just ended up working at Wizards, I guess. So one of the things that I'm, I'm sort of curious for you to talk a little bit about is how much time and energy goes into making a world. So when we decide to make a brand new world, we won't talk about an existing world since all the stuff you've worked on that's new isn't out yet, but we'll talk more, more of in the general sense. Um, what do you need to do to make a new world? Like what, what happens on your side of the wall to make a new world? Oh, wow. So yeah, we work like super far in advance. I'm sure everyone knows. So I guess like the first step is that there's just like, these seeds of things that we wanted to do either from a design side or a world building side, like, oh, we really want to be able to show off three color things or factions or tribes or this culture that we haven't seen yet and, you know, shown in the context of magic. And so there's this, this huge planning process of like, when can we get to all of these awesome worlds we want to do? And that happens like really, really early. And then they plan out, like, all the big sweeping story decisions then as well. And then from that, when we have, like, a timeline of, like, all right, this is coming out, and this, and this, and this, we can finally start to do world building proper, which is just a lot of meetings and a lot of figuring out, like, what all we need for the set, uh, which mostly involves, like, environments. Um, characters, like creatures, like what kind of architecture, like the whole shebang. We have to talk about every aspect of it. And also the aspects as they relate to the game design. Like, if this world is introducing a new tribe, like, what do they look like? What do they do? What's their culture? Do they have a religion? And these just these meetings can go on, I guess. They go on for, like, six months or more where we're just, like, talking about all these different aspects. And then um, it sort of culminates in the world guide asset, which just 
has all this information in one place. It's like a big go-to resource for everyone at the company to check out. And developing that world guide involves calling in artists for like the art push, working with the art director, working with design. We always work with design, design like constantly. So and, um, let me explain yeah. something for the audience they might not be aware of is um, the, the creative team really has sort of two sections to it, right? That there is the people that sort of are in charge of the visuals and the people that are in yeah. charge of what, the words, to, for, for, maybe not for a better term. Um, although the word people also do all the cosmology and the, like, what is the world like? Yeah. And, and you yeah. work on the word side. Yeah, a bit, yeah. We, we would just, like, provide some words to, to, like, the art people, and then they just sort of go with it. Like, in the end, it is whatever the artist or art director decides like a goblin looks like on this plane is, you know, what it ends up looking like. We might, we might just tell them like, oh, it's like a cold plane, so maybe they have fur or something. And, but like in the end, how it looks is, is the artist, you know. But a lot of what your, your team does is, okay, this is the world. These are the things that have to exist in the world. And you guys build a lot of the, the cosmology of what are, like what's the relationship like and how do the people function and, you know, what, what are the... Oh, yeah. You're, you're coming up with a lot of, like, hey, this is a real world. How do the people function, right? Yeah, definitely. Like, the worlds all have to be sort of, like, internally consistent. Like, things have to make sense. Like, that's what makes worlds satisfying. And, like, especially fantasy worlds and game worlds, it's, like, you know, you can really, like, see that these characters, like, live here and time passes here and things are important. And it's sort of, like, we do end up answering a lot of, like, can we do this thing in this world questions, which sort of reminds me of like why you might go ask like a play designer or something. It's like, Oh, can we make this? It might like break something. And then they tell you that like mechanically where they're like, Oh, well, can we do this? Like, can dragons like breathe underwater here? And then like, we'll get asked that question. We'll be like, uh, I don't know here, <laughs> you know? So it is a lot, of, a lot of logistics. Yeah. So a good example, I'll just use a recent example is um, not that, not that you particularly worked on the set, but throne of Eldraine, um, one of the questions we keep having is, where was the line? Like, what was acceptable? So, for example, you know, we made the gingerbread golem. You know, it's like, oh, is that, is that okay? Are there walking, talking gingerbread golems here? And then, you know, are talking animals okay? Like, we had to figure out where the line was. And so we'd come and talk with the creative team and say, okay, can we do this? You know, can, can there be a, a midnight ball? Yeah, sure, there'd be a midnight ball. Can there be a talking cat? Eh, maybe there shouldn't be a talking cat, you know. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that stuff is important for world consistency, but also, like, we go to a lot of places, and, like, no one place can really just have everything you'd ever want to see, you know? Like, we may even return to the world, or, you know, so it's all about, like, making that call, like, for what's best for the card set, you know? Yeah, actually, one of the things that, that is important is it's not only what is there, it's also what's not there. I know you guys spend a lot of time saying, oh, in this world, these things don't exist. These creatures aren't, you know, to try to make the worlds feel different, we don't want every world just have the same creatures, right? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I feel that personally sometimes, too. There is, like, this long span of magic sets where just there weren't any goblins. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, where did they go? And it's like, well, they became devils. And I'm like, no. <laughs> but so, yeah, I'm always, I'm always holding out for, for new goblin friends. 
Yeah, the, the one of the things that's funny is there's this pressure between wanting the worlds to feel different so they're unique, but wanting to have enough continuity that people can build decks between worlds. And so yeah. I know there's that constant tension. Like, we want enough goblins, but not too many goblins. So I thought maybe we talk about a project that you and I worked on together that is out. Um, I know a lot of your projects, uh, you and I are working on some stuff that's not out yet, but um, we'll talk about a project that is out. So Unsanctioned. So uh, so Unsanctioned is the box set we released uh, a month or two ago um, that it was a reprint of a whole bunch of Silver Border cards, except there were 16 brand new cards in it. Uh, and I was in charge of the design of the cards, and you were in charge of the creative of the cards. So I thought we'd talk a little bit about some of these cards, because there's some fun stories. Yeah, for sure. It was also a really fun opportunity to make some, like, legendary characters that I know everyone has been, like, holding out for. And I hope that we were able to deliver on those, you know. Well, let's let's start with the one that I thought probably had the most requests of any legendary thing I've ever had, which is a legendary squirrel. So, A. Cornelia, fashionable filter. Um, okay, so I think when I turned this card over, I, it was actually called... A. Cornelia was my name, but I think I called it uh, Goth Squirrel was my original name. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was a play on, like, the Goth Girl. Yeah. Yeah. I had hoped to keep some of that aesthetic in, like, her outfit. As you can see, like, she's also a black squirrel. And, you know, back in Maryland, we had a lot of black squirrels. Whatever. It's cute. Um and uh, her outfit actually takes a bit of cues from the, what are they called, like the spy people from, you know. Oh, yeah, the people. sneak. The agents of sneak. Yeah, the agents of sneak. Yeah, we forgot the watermarks, by the way. We forgot the watermarks. Oh, no. oh so much of it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, A. Cornelia should have had a sneak watermark. I mean, she, she she's yeah. flavored as if she's part of the sneak, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she does borrow some, some of the look from that. And, yeah, she's just got this awesome vault of, golden acorns. <laughs> I'm looking forward to, like, uh, yeah, we need some, like, token acorns or something. I made a gold now. So, but, yeah, there's this. Okay. So, for, so, I, I, so, for example, I, I make the card, so... Um, this was part of a cycle. We made a cycle of enemy-colored um, legendary creatures for the set. Um, mm -hmm. And so, I wanted a squirrel lord. Black and green made sense, because that's where the squirrels are in in the Civil War sets. And, and the Black War sets, too. Um... Okay, so I I make a card. So what happened? So I think for all of these, I, I gave it some name as a as a possibility, and then you have to evaluate. So walk through how how these get named. Oh, okay. So yeah, this is the basically the one set where I led the creative text, and yeah, it is it, it is a huge collaborative process because uh, you know design has a certain joke in mind or like a pet name they gave the card in design and. You know, there is something to it. Like, if you like the name, that means there's definitely something to it. And uh, we gathered other internal submissions for the names. For larger sets, there's, a, like, a outsource. Like, there's a huge team of awesome writers that submit stuff. But for these, I think we kept them internal. And just whoever had a good sense of humor around the office, I just sort of wrangled them by email and said, like, send in stuff. Like, send in your best puns. It's okay. It's an unset. <laughs> so, um after getting those, I just sort of, like, went through, and you sent in, like, a ton of puns, and I'm just like, oh, my God, there's so many. So <laughs> it was it was a challenge, but I I made it through, put a bunch of puns on cards in the end, and, uh, you know, I just, you just try to go with whatever sounds catchy. Some jokes, you just gotta, just gotta keep them, like Alexander Clamilton. Yes. I had no idea what else I could possibly be called <laughs> outside of that, so... 
Um, and when it comes to the flavor text, it it is really tricky to like judge jokes and humor. Um, I don't feel like I'm the best judge, but I was the judge for the task. And I think that we got a decent number of smiles out of the stuff we picked or like clever, like clever nods to things. Um, like especially the, the Surgeon General Commander is like a lot going on in it. I think that was one of your submissions too. Yeah, so let's, let's talk about Surgeon Commander General. I call him Surgeon uh, Commander since the general's crossed off, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Pause Commander, yeah. Okay, so the he came about because we wanted a five-color uh, legendary commander uh, commander for um, host and augment. That, that's how he came about. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so I, I think the name, I think I did turn in this name, right? Um, so, but the creative, so how did you figure out what it looked like? Like you, you, you worked, who was, um, Dawn was the art director, right? Yeah, Dawn was, yeah. Um, so, um, Dawn, Dawn Mirren had done, um, the art direction for Unstable, and so she did Unsanctioned, and so talk a little bit, how, how, like, how did the picture come about? So you, you know it's Surgeon Commander. Yeah, um, again, this one did borrow from Unstable. Unstable is just, like, such an awesome resource for, for funny (laughs) Stuff. So and also this one leads right into into augment and uh, so I just pick some of my favorite types of animals like I really think wombats are super cute so the character has a wombat head and like a chameleon tail is really distinctive you'd see that from a mile away if you were picking on animal tail and you know gotta have gotta have bat wings I don't know so did you pick the did you pick the animal parts <laughs> yeah I picked the animal parts okay and uh, and the, like the little sign in the back background it just like remind me of those like doctor signs where it's like oh like how much does it hurt or like how do you feel and i figured with all these you know mashup monsters they would you know they might have some mixed feelings about how they feel sometimes so it helps to have a surgeon commander help them out (laughs) yeah it's funny because uh uh, mark gottlieb who's one of the designers uh loves wombats and magic made a wombat many 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 years ago and we've never made another one and he was very excited. I actually thought he might have been involved in there being a wombat, but it turns out he was not. You just like wombats. Yeah, well, we, what do we have? We have, like, a rabid wombat. Yeah, we need yeah rabid wombat. wombat's the one wombat, so. Yeah, we need some, we need some fluffy friends, so here's one. Um, so this one has flavor text. Oh, so this is interesting. Um, I think I said to you that we had to reference... The, the, the One of the jokes about the card is that the template's wrong because we needed to be five color, but that's not actually how we write it. That normally you would say tap, add one man of any color, but we had tap, add white, blue, black, red, or green to make it a five color commander. Um, so I think I... Yeah, d- this is, yeah. Yeah, this is, this is also a text that you sent in um, because, yeah, I was just thinking, like, it's going to be honestly, like, pretty tough to, like, tell the joke here unless you're, like, really really, really into, like, looking for this sort of thing. So this is one where it's sort of, like, explaining the joke, but it's I think it's very helpful because, you know, as, like, someone who doesn't know the intricacies of what makes a commander a certain color, yeah. I'd be like, what is creative templating? Like, what do you mean? Like, the crossed-out name? And I'd be like, oh, you know, and then I would just... Um, so. Oh, so let's hear. Uh, the other card I want to talk about is Stet. Because yeah. Stet has my... Stead has what I think is one of the most subtle jokes in the entire set, which is you're doing. So let's talk a little bit. Yeah. So Stead is our, we had never made a dragon. We've never made a silver water dragon before. And so I said to my team, okay, give me a dragon that does something dragons don't normally do. 
and Ari came up with the idea of the proofreader. So, okay, you get you get step. I, I think you, I just I named it step, but you 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 did the rest of the name. I think we had like step oh, dragon yeah. something. Um, yeah. Well, first it was like a dragon, and we're like, oh my god, like what? Like what kind of dragon is this that has like the white identity? Also, and we're just like, well, it could just be a white dragon, and those breathe ice, and like on a red card, and it's like, yeah, let's go with it. And so I was like, how do we justify this ice? And then I'm like, oh, it's actually really useful as a tie-in to its mechanic. Like, its mechanic removes the first letter uh, from something. Oh, yeah. Uh, right, removes the first letter. Straight up. Yeah, it deletes the first letter of a target permanent, which is nuts. And so if you have these little mice coworkers, if you delete them off, it's, they become ice. So yes. here we got a white dragon breathing Breathing frost breath on some mice turn into the ice, and it's an editor. It's a bureaucrat, like the past editor. So, so one of the things that's funny is um, you guys will do the art, and that we set the artists take what seven weeks or something to draw the yeah. picture. And meanwhile, we're working on the cards, and we can make changes as long as we match the art. And I remember at one point we were talking about uh, we were talking about maybe changing the deleting letter, and you're like, no, 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 the ice, bec- the mice become ice. It can't change. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> There's been a crisis. So, um, okay, so uh, I'm going to ask you about another card and see if, uh, okay, I'm going to ask you about Flavor Judge. Oh, okay, let me pull that one up. So Flavor Judge, do you remember where Flavor Judge came from? Yeah, Flavor Judge is the chicken referee. Right, so we got the art for the uh, box, the the key art, Mm -hmm. so the art that goes on the box, and it was a squirrel boxing with a, a... a, a goblin and then there was a chicken who was the referee and I thought the referee chicken was the best thing on the whole picture so we decided we were going to make we were going to make that a card um yeah that key art was already in I think before I got hired and I you know I thought that was a brilliant idea it's just lead into the whole like unset in a box unsanctioned so unsanctioned fighting we got a chicken referee and there's also the the one land is like the oh the underdome that they do fighting yeah the underdome so yeah that was the last minute we that that was yeah. we were only supposed to do 15 cards and then to make the decks work we needed i needed a land that tapped for any color and i i didn't want to use city of ass so uh <laughs> gavin okayed uh getting a new art so we made last minute made Thunderdome Underdome sorry yeah I just think it's cute that we have a little bit of like unsanctioned continuity lore going on with these <laughs> yes cards, so. okay so the flavor text is interesting on this one so flavor judge I believe the name that's the name we submitted was flavor judge oh but real quickly just so they know this um, so the way it worked was Annie and I sat down and we we had playtest names for all the cards and then for Annie I had a so either it was we really like this name try to keep it we really don't like this name. You need to come up with another name or, eh, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Flavor Judge was in that we wanted to keep it because there's a, there's a format um, called Flavor Draft. And the judge in Flavor Draft is called the Flavor Judge. So we were making reference. The mechanic is, is based on that format. Um, but the flavor text, uh, do you remember the story of this flavor text? Oh, no, you could tell it. Um, so... The, the mechanic of the card is that you're asking an outside person, does this make sense? And so we knew we wanted flavor text where someone's just describing something crazy. And I think we wrote like 40 of these. 
I think, I mean, you ended up picking this one, right? Yeah, I actually don't quite remember the whole ordeal. It might have been a little bit late when it happened, so... Yeah, so what happened was we, we just thought of crazy things that could happen, and then uh, there's only two lines for flavor text. Another thing that happens in flavor text is you only get so much space, and so not only oh, do you have yeah. to write it, but it has to fit in the space you have. So sometimes yeah, it's like, oh, one. right, this was a yeah, two-liner. This was a good one where it didn't have space before, and then, you know, you guys went in and fiddled around and gave it some space. But yeah, because I think some, I think this card didn't use to have space on it, but... Oh, maybe, maybe, okay. I think we made space so we could add the flavor text in. Um, yeah, always a good call. Always a good call. <laughs> right, and, th and this one is like some animated wall fighting a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. Um, and see, how about uh, oh, Circadian Night Owl. Um, oh, I love that. Him. That I, I know that's my name because uh, we spent a lot of time on that. Um, I try to think. So when you do, let's talk a little bit about art descriptions. Um, mm -hmm. so how I, I I know you work with the art director. Explain how exactly how we do art descriptions. Okay, so the, in, you know, card development, like, towards towards the end of it, I guess, like, around set design time, like, the the um, designers identify, like, chunks of cards that they're ready to hand off for uh, art. That means they're, like, mostly done messing with them. Like, the creature won't vastly get bigger. Like, the card won't get deleted or something like that, usually. And um, then... Uh, the writer, like the concept writer, who someone like me, and art director and the de lead designer all like sit down in a room and then top line all of the cards. It takes a couple meetings to get through all of them usually. And um, you just talk about like, well, what is this card? Like, what can it be? And usually everyone has a copy of the world guide in front of them for reference. So we'll like flip through to like different uh, like factions or creatures and be like, oh, this one's really cute. Like, have we used this guy yet? Like, let's put him in. They could be this. Or like, oh, it should be that guy, but he's getting crushed by a giant. And it's like, oh, okay. And you just try to like come up with the, you know, the most interesting, fun thing it could be while also showcasing uh, the world the best you can. Like, make sure you're not doing like 20 bears as much as I'd love to do that too. It's like usually you only have like one or two bears. So <laughs> you know how it goes. Only so many um, bears. And, yeah. And then after you're done top-lining every single card, you just sit down and start writing the descriptions. You say what plane it's on, like the location, the action, and sort of like the general mood of the piece. And then the art director takes a look at those, makes sure you're not doing anything crazy, and then they send them off to the artist for sketches. And that is sort of how it goes. So right. And single card made. <laughs> and you mentioned sketches. So what happens is... Um, the art director sends out to the the artist after so much time. I forget how much time they have, but they have to send back a sketch first, uh, so that you, that the 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 art director can look and see. Oh, is this is this going in the right direction, or is there something happening that I need to make some adjustments on? Mm -hmm. Do you look Do you look at sketches, or is that just the art director? Oh yeah, I review I review art like every morning. It's like the first thing I do is go check out what needs review. Okay, so you, you yeah. so uh, the the projects you're running, you you do comment on the art yeah and it's just uh on our side since we are not the art director who gets to make lots of like the aesthetic calls and mm -hmm. compositional calls it's like we have to say like okay their feet need to be on the ground this guy doesn't fly like put them down or like oh like actually this guy needs these tattoos because that's what this certain faction has and they'll have forgotten to put those or something so just like small comments to make sure it's 
you know, staying in line with our guidelines that we make. We work yes. hard on that. Another thing that'll happen sometimes is somebody will make up something and, and you're like, oh, no, no, look at the style guide. Uh, that's not how the swords look. Go look at the style guide. It has to be a sword like in the style guide. Oh, yeah, and, like, what hand people hold certain weapons in. Let me tell you, some of these people, like, they know exactly who is left and right-handed in, in the multiverse. Yeah. Like, oh, no. <laughs> Change the sword hand. So, stuff like that. Okay, so um, we're almost out of time. Um, so, my, what, what do you do that you don't think the average person is in the idea that somebody spends time doing that? Oh, boy. Um, I guess um, this is a bit of a sentimental thing. Not like a super, like, shocking, crazy thing. But... Um, just, like, really, you know, really giving it 100% on, like, every single card. Um, like, it really isn't just, like, the like the big old, like, bomb, crazy, like, rare cards and, like, awesome characters you already know. It's, like, every single card I, I am trying to pour my heart into and, like, add a little something for everyone. Like, whether it be, like, uh, something cute or something funny or, like, maybe the flavor text is, like, really, really resonates with you or tells you something new. It's, um, yeah, I, I honestly didn't think, you know, like, when, you know, you just, like, look at, there's so many magic cards, like, there's so many. And you're just, like, how can someone give so much time to each one of these cards? But really, there's, like, a huge team of people working on every single little piece and making sure that each piece has a reason to exist and can possibly be someone's favorite thing. So um, that is a cheesy answer, but... Okay, so um, when you're doing your flavor text, do you do you have the art or not when you do flavor text? Uh, yes, we do. Um, and if not the final art, something pretty close to it. So what... What is something about... Because we talked a lot about names and we talked about, uh, about doing concepting. Um... We didn't talk too much about flavor text. So, like, what what is the biggest challenge of flavor text? Oh, the biggest challenge? Yeah, I haven't read a lot of text stuff, but I guess it's, like, feeling like you're either writing something, like, really cheesy and trying not to, like, self-censor yourself, I guess. Or, like, reading something that you're just, like, oh, like, that's, like, so, like, epic-sounding and, like, you know, not going like, oh, that makes it cheesy, but going like, oh, that actually makes it epic. You know, like that, finding that line between like cheese and badass is like, you know, pretty hard to do. So so are you pro or anti-pun in Blackboard or Magic? Uh, I am pro-pun in moderation. In moderation, okay. Yeah. So. Uh, it's funny, I used to do, um, back in the day, I used to write a lot of flavor text. I don't do it anymore, but... Uh, I would always get the pun quotient higher than it is currently because I would just I submit a lot of puns. Oh yeah, like sometimes there's like this middle period where the playtest name is like called like Blue Uncommon Two, and so I'll give it a little bit of a better name before sending it to an artist. And a lot of those times they will be puns, but okay. I do expect them to change as they get more real. So yeah, yeah. Actually, a lot. Of, it's it's funny the. Um, one of the things that often the creative person does is during playtesting, they change the file not to give the final thing, but just to like give the feel of it so that people play, they get the sense of the world. 
Um, and one of the things I love to do uh, with my when I have uh, my creative team is I like them to give me a list of names that make sense for the world, and sometimes we'll design cards to them. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, like a lot of my favorite cards from Innistrad, Jenna, Jenna was my creative person, Jenna Helen's in the creative team. Uh, and I had, Jenna gave me names and some of my favorite cards from original Innistrad were like, Jenna just came up with this cool name and I'm like, okay, we're making this card. And then it just turned out, we designed it, turned into a cool card. That's awesome. I hope I get to do that sometime in the future set I work on. So I'm sure you'll get it. Well, if you've been on one of my teams, I do that all the time. I love doing that. So yeah, sounds good. So anyway, we are almost. I'm almost to work. Um, so any uh, any uh, last thoughts as far as um, something that something about magic? Like one of the reasons I'm trying to interview different people is to show them how many different people work on this game. And like, I don't think people really understand outside the building, like the number, the amount of eyeballs and the amount of energy that goes into making a magic card. Um, is there some aspect that like uh, I don't know? Does I I'm sort of curious as a final touch of something that you would like people to know about, hey, somebody's doing this. Um, I guess that, uh, yeah, I guess that there's like a lot of writing on, like a lot of writing of these concept things that is unseen writing, um, but is still, you know, real and happening. And people still come to our team to ask like logistical questions about, like characters and stuff like that. It's just there's there's a lot of writing happening. Is all I'm saying. Even though it may not be player facing, I guess. Yeah, I mean that's a, a good point. You do a lot, a lot of writing, which goes up in the world guide and a lot of different places, but the public doesn't see it. And so, mm-hmm. um, I mean, the result. Yeah, I guess the yeah. the Planeswalkers Guide to Eldraine actually like has so many facts from the world guide that I don't think players would have got to see otherwise. So go check that out if you get a chance. Okay, well, I want to thank you, Annie. This was fun having you on. But I, I can see I'm almost to my den, so uh, we got to wrap up. So I just want to thank you very much. Uh, and as we all know, uh, um, this is the end of my drive to work. So uh, instead of talking magic with Annie, it's time for me to be making magic. So I want to thank everybody for coming. Thanks, Annie, for being here. And we'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Okay, bye bye.